we got to tell you, friends, we see all the time that people assume how things are going to be. It's not written down. It's not confirmed. It's not proven. And things change. You know, what's going to change if this, the most overpredicted recession in history actually happens? You know, is that it hasn't really happened yet, probably. But um, what's going to happen if it does? And is it, is this whole thing going to shift? And there's going to be an expectation that people have to come back. Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast, where you will find and apply God's wisdom to your work. I'm Dr. Chip Roper, and I'm joined by Ken Kennard and Sarah Evers. We aim to inspire, challenge, and equip you to follow Jesus in the vocational dimension of your life. As we begin this episode, I want to thank our generous donors who make this podcast possible. We are grateful for your support. Voca funders sign up to change lives by changing work. And if you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, invest in VOCA. Just go to vocacenter.org slash give and join us today. We're going to jump into our topic today. Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast. We are the VOCA team and we are recently off a road trip, so we are a little... What are we? We're kind of punchy, wolfy, but that's not we're, really. No. Yeah, we're kind of punchy. We're punchy, a crispy, but we're excited <laughs> to be together, and we're going to talk about um, work from home versus return to the office, and this whole remote work trend, and uh, we're going to dive into that uh, today with you. Uh, great to see a number of you joining us on the call. You can text in your questions. Uh, we're going to send you out a little poll later on about things you'd like to hear more about. And so we really appreciate uh, you being here and shaping the conversation. But uh, as we dive into this, um, Sarah and I were at a client's site in July. And it was not in a coastal city. And it was their office was deserted. There were hundreds of empty desks. And Sarah, I don't know, how many people said, you should have seen this when it was full? Oh, absolutely. It felt like a ghost town. It was yeah. creepy, like scary even. If it had been late at night, I don't know how safe I would have felt walking around um, with how deserted it was. But yeah, the comment over and over again was, you should have seen it. This was a great place to be before the pandemic. You always ran into your friends everywhere. Yeah, so it's just emptied out. And, um, and you know, you guys know I'm a WeWork person. I work, I use WeWorks and I've been in WeWorks in uh, New York and Dallas and Nashville in the last, you know, months. And they are completely deserted too. Like they're just, you know, there's just a, a few people in the corner kind of thing. And that's what return to the office seems to look like for some of us anyway. It's just, it's being one of the few that's showing up and everybody else is at home. So, you know, we want to talk about this today and, um, we did some research uh, about a year ago, and um, we, we asked people, what are your greatest dilemmas at work? And um, this is our fifth topic, and it came up, and it's this question of, should I work from home or should I go back to an office? And it just won't go away. Um, we know from our senior executives that are part of our, our thought leadership and helping us shape our content, they want people to come back, at least some of them do. Um, others of them know people are not coming back, uh, you know, we had a really interesting conversation with Pat Gelsinger early on in the pandemic. Pat was the, uh, he was the CEO of, um, um, oh, I'm, I'm Intel. blanking. Intel. No, he is, that's where he is now, but, oh. um, 
he was a, a company that was a Dell company that just got sold. Anyway, you guys could look that up on Google and uh, correct us, please. But anyway, uh, Pat Elsinger is VMware. The Intel, VMware, that's it. And, Thank you, um, Mark. Um, so Pat, we were talking to Pat about this, and um, he said, and this, he was really, he really nailed it. This was September 2020. He said, this is going to last for at least 18 months to two years, and working is never going to go back. Like, you don't, you don't change, you don't, two years isn't temporary. 18 months isn't, is, it's just too, it's too long, and it's shaped everything. And so at VMware, they just said, we're going to pivot, we're going to adapt our expectations, and they changed everything. And, you know, I don't know how he's, how he's dealing with this at Intel, because obviously they have a manufacturing side to their business that people have to show up for. Um, but, um, but anyway, so Pat's like, this is just going to change the way we work. And we know from our friend Wanji at Discover, you know, like people are just not coming back to the office and they've just had to pivot in terms of how they're doing things. And then we have others who are saying um, people need to come back. It's better for them emotionally. It's better for them pr productivity wise. It's better for team bonding. It's really important for people who are younger and starting out in their careers uh, to go to an office and to become enculturated. And so there's kind of this there's this tension, you know, Jamie Dimon, he's the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. He's always saying everybody has to come back and people aren't listening. People are not coming back and managers aren't reinforcing. And it's really it's really kind of this crazy landscape of uh, of what's going on. And so we see it in the business press. We see it in our clients. And, um, you know, I was just talking to somebody uh, yesterday about us and our team. And I had hoped uh, that we would have a really cool office in New York City. Uh, Ken, I know we talked about some of that, Sarah. You know, we, we talked about that. And then Sarah, Ken refused to move to New York City and Kara, Sarah moved away. So, um, but seriously, like, and then we just were like, we just became a virtual team. Like, it just wasn't, it just happened. And, um, and, our, and Shauna, our great director of communications and ops, she's, started in Nashville and now she's in Michigan. So it's kind of like we just we just sort of fell into this and we've learned how to make it work and uh, we get to be together uh, especially for client engagements and some of our annual VOCA celebration events and things and then we spend a lot of our time on calls like this. So guys, like what are you what are you seeing in terms of like work from home, return to the office, um, who's doing what, where's it going? What what's the landscape look to you? Like to you? Well, most of my corporate clients have adapted, adopted a hybrid format where they're in the office a couple of days and they're home a couple of days. One of my clients, my corporate clients, really struggled with this decision. The CEO did not want flexibility and did not want hybrid. And all through the pandemic, since 2020, the CEO was boasting that they would have 100% return to office post-COVID. Eventually, his executive council convinced him to embrace the hybrid approach because they were starting to lose talent to companies that were offering remote opportunities and remote work. So now they're doing the hybrid three days in the office, two days work from home. The three days that the CEO wants everybody in the office are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But even this has met with difficulties because some of the VPs and the directors um, switched it for their specific teams to just two days a week in office. And then some of those folks aren't showing up consistently. So you have managers who are commuting in uh, two, three days a week, 
and then they get to this space that doesn't feel collaborative and doesn't feel worth the effort of getting dressed up and commuting because their boss isn't there um, and some of their other colleagues aren't and they their office is just empty it's a ghost town so there's a they're they're having a little bit of frustration um, and and maybe that will change because they reopen their office during the summertime maybe once um, the the academic schedule sets in maybe that culture will change yeah i'm seeing several things chip i'll mention one is i've got a client that was <clears throat> all in person the pandemic hit they all went remote then they started moving then people left the new people came in and now it's not only remote it's really dispersed like multiple time zones are scattered all over the country so when it's time to come to work even if you want to it has to be occasional it's really expensive you're flying people in and so it becomes um you know you do it you do it once or twice a year or you do it quarterly or something like that another thing i think it's interesting is um apple has been trying to get their employees to come back to work and the executives want them to be there part of it is because working together in person is so much better for certain kinds of work right for innovation and design and collaboration and um, all kinds of conversations that are expected and unexpected but they've gotten a lot of flack because not everyone wants to do that and you know you know the latest initiative that i read says that starting in september they're going to require the new hybrid model of three days uh on and two days off and the two day the, the three days are tuesday thursday and the day of the manager's choice which mm. you know likely would be wednesday for a lot of people i think i think that what we also need to think about though is i don't think every job is created equal and i don't mm. think every you know I, I can think of tasks like computer programming or writing or things that are very solitary where being at home is probably an advantage and having some flexibility is probably an advantage you know if i'm getting stuck and I, I need a walk and i want to take a walk during the day and just take off some time and then in the evening i get a lot of energy and some new ideas i can write then that sort of thing uh, work from home really matters or makes sense but then you get into situations where you know creativity and innovation and design and sort of all the stuff that that we value in certain kinds of companies i don't think you can do it as well remotely i just don't i, I think certain kinds of work are just way better and all of that is only part of the equation the other part of the equation is the health of the worker right are you healthier being at home you know the studies i've read show that it takes a lot more work to relate to people on a two-dimensional screen our brains are working overtime to try to connect do you ever feel tired after a few zoom meetings i i mean i do and how do you feel after in-person meetings i often feel energized even as an introvert i feel really energized by in-person work i was doing a workshop for a client a couple weeks ago and they had their first in-person meeting since the pandemic and it was a two-day off-site and they said oh my gosh this is so energizing this is the best day of work i've had since the pandemic i just love being together i love being with people i love being able to see their reaction so all the human parts of work that we take for granted um, you're firing on all those cylinders and i think work's a lot more fun yeah that's really that's interesting i'm thinking about just the, one of the one of the threads in there um one of my clients is an introvert and um their experience of their job even though they're they don't like their job anymore even though they're an introvert so you think of an introvert oh they would like to work from home now she got a certain kind of energy from the office and there was a certain diversion from tasks that just gave her you know it gives your brain a rest so then you can come back to it um and it's like 
you know, it's really shifted. It, her experience of her job has altered it, and it's it's shifting the way she's going to go. So, so this is real. It's in the air. It's not an option for everybody, which is something else we probably need to remember. But for anybody that's a knowledge worker, and our economy is becoming more and more and more of a knowledge economy, um, where we're trafficking in ideas and we're doing work on a computer, um, usually there's some option for remote work. And so what do we do with that? So I'm going to throw a couple biblical ideas at you uh, for this, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And then we'll delve into what we call the realm of wisdom, and I'll explain that shift uh, once we get there. But you know, there's obviously there. Uh, there really wasn't. There's no. There's no proverbs about working from home. You know, uh, not really. In fact, all work was done at home. Till probably 100, 150, maybe 200 years ago. You know, everybody worked at home, in a way. Like you know, they, you did your craft at home. Your farm was at home. All that kind of thing. You might travel around if you're a craftsman or an artisan and do some things at other places. But you always came home, and you probably had some kind of shop there. Even. Even doctors and professors typically uh, worked from home in ancient times. You know, that's where their, their books were kept and everything. So the idea that you leave home to work is probably kind of new. Um, and, and after anything that was written in the Bible was written. But uh, there are some biblical ideas, I think, that might help us speak into this. Uh, and there's, I'll share three. Uh, the first is that our primary call, as, as if you're a Christ follower, uh, is to love God and to serve Him and also to love and serve your neighbors. It, it's not to just do whatever you want. And this is really, 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 really hard for us. And we, we see it, we have this conversation with our clients very, very frequently, but it's like they start out with, This is what I want. And, um, you know, most of us are pretty good at articulating what, what, what we want. Some of us perhaps could, could, would do well to think about that a little bit. It is a data point in the conversation, but, um, if if you've been won over by God's grace and uh, the love of Jesus, then you're you've signed up to do what He wants, uh, and He's promised to take care of you. So, um, you know, one of the things that we got, and we have a panel of folks that we've consulted on this topic, was just this idea that people just doing what they want or what's comfortable is normal, but it's also sub-Christian. You know, it's the wrong question. It's the wrong first question. And so, um, for instance. Um, Someone said, you know, if you can work from home, but most of your people can't, what's it really look like to serve them as your neighbor? Maybe you go in more because they can't, you know, and, and so you're not going to find that in any business article, a business insider or medium or anything, but this is a different way to think. And so this, this idea of our primary call is not just about what's convenient for us or what we like, but it's about, you know, I don't really want to wear nice clothes. I want to be in my shorts today um, and forever. And I never want to put on dress shoes again. <laughs> I'll sign up for that. But uh, I've got my slips on today and I feel very comfortable. But that's, and that's a, that's, that's, that's a silly example, but that's, we really think that way in our culture. We think about what do I want? And our primary call is not to start there. Our primary call is to say, well, what does God want? Like, how do I serve him best? How do I serve my neighbor best? And that, that could push us in some different directions. A second theme, and this isn't, this is a biblical, I think this, we, we, there's a real technical term for this uh, called biblical anthropology. And what does that mean? It means like, how does the Bible see a human being? And the Bible sees a human being as a body and a soul together, not separate, not two-dimensional, three-dimensional. And, 
some of you may be surprised at this. Some of you may think that Christianity is kind of anti-physical, anti-body. It's just about a spiritual thing. But, you know, we believe that God made us with bodies. He cares about bodies. He cares about the physical. And he's going to make our bodies perfect in eternity. And we're always going to be physical beings, always, for eternity. And so, you know, this disembodied two-dimensional state is a little, I mean, it's almost, I'm not, I, I, this will sound like I'm advocating for in, in person all the time, but it's, there is something a little sub, subhuman about it um, and in terms of how we're made. So that's a, that's a second principle that, you know, our, our, our being, we have an embodied being. We, our physicality is part of how God, who God's made us to be. And we're supposed to worship him with our bodies and celebrate who he is with our physicalness. And the third thing I would say that's a biblical principle has to do with relationships and the priority of relationships. It's kind of an extension of the love your neighbor piece. And here's where it gets complicated. Because my coworkers are my neighbors and my clients are my neighbors. But then I also have a responsibility to my family and my, my local community and in my spiritual community, which is almost always local. So you could say, you can make an argument that well, when I work from home, I have more time with my family and my local friends and even perhaps my local spiritual community or church. And so this is where the tension kind of comes in because maybe remote work is actually better for those kind of relationships, but it's not necessarily better for my work relationships. And it, it, there's a tension there. But I, I think this priority of relationship rather than a priority on productivity is another biblical threat. So there's three biblical ideas. Like our first question isn't what we want, it's what does God want? How do I serve him and love him? And how do I serve and love my neighbors? Second is that you know, we, we have a physical person and that's the way God made us and we can't ignore that. Um, we're not just sort of two-dimensional digital production machines. That's not the way we were made. And then the, this priority of relationships. Ken and Sarah, what do you think of those? Well, uh, when you're talking about the body, it reminds me that in a two-dimensional world with remote work uh, and meeting this way, I think when we limit the role that our body can play in our work, we're limiting our power and our influence, which is limiting our work. And, and I can think of many examples of anything from standing up and giving a presentation to uh, the subtlety of a whisper of a coworker or the warmth of a hand on the shoulder um, all kinds of ways where I, I was able to either communicate with someone or they were able to communicate with me or we were able to create some kind of connection um, that really built trust, understanding. Um, the relationship was moved forward quickly. There was um, clear understanding. Um, these all are all things that are actually important to productivity because when we go to work, we bring our whole selves to work. But when we bring ourselves to a virtual world, we, we can't bring our whole selves to the power and influence that we have. Yeah, and you were with a client recently and you were saying how they don't even turn their cameras on. <laughs> right, right, which and it, I, the story behind that was interesting that when they initially, when the pandemic initially hit, they all tried turning their cameras on and they were told they couldn't do it because of bandwidth issues. Uh, they work with the government, it's a government agency. And then that went away and they said, now we can handle it. But they still didn't turn their cameras on. And that was kind of their company culture. I was a consultant with them and came to a meeting, turned my camera on. Uh, my partner had his camera on and they didn't have their cameras on. I was like, why is that? Oh, we don't, we don't do that, yeah. I talked to one of the, it, the, the women in the in-person meeting. I asked her, 
So I noticed you don't have your cameras on. Tell me about that. She said, oh yeah, well, you know, if, if I have to turn my camera on, that means I have to put on my makeup in the morning. I have to dress up for work. And, you know, the laundry that I have on the exercise equipment behind me, that doesn't look so great. I'd have to move that. Uh, so that just, you know, that's kind of a pain. Uh, and I said, okay, so, so that's the, the con that you're trying to avoid. What would be the pro if you did turn your camera on? What would they give you? And she said, well, I think I would understand people better and I would, I would pick up a lot of nonverbal communication and I'd be able to connect with people more, which means I'm collaborating more and we'd probably be more productive in some parts of our work. <laughs> I said, Sarah, okay, laughing. that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still not yeah. going to turn your camera on. Uh, yeah, blessings or curses, right? I mean, I, because that, it sounds like, comes back to a what's more convenient for me approach. Like it takes effort to get myself cleaned up in the morning to be ready, to be video ready. Um, just like if I'm going to commute into the office, it takes effort in the morning to get myself in person ready. Yeah. Um, which again comes down to comfort and convenience, which goes back to Chip, your first point is that our primary call isn't to do whatever we want. Uh, it's what does God want, right? And, and I think, especially in Western Christianity, we get that so messed up because we think God saved us to make us comfortable. And we think that we have been um, rescued to be happy. Mm. And so everything in our world then revolves around comfort and convenience. And um, I sure like comfort and convenience, <laughs> right? But, but um, our salvation is not to comfort and convenience. Uh, and I think that's when our, when our lives rotate around there, it's easy to say, I choose to work from home because it's more comfortable and more convenient. I don't have to commute. I don't have to pay for gas. I don't have, I'm not putting mileage on my car. I'm not spending more time away from my family. Um, and sometimes um, our, our call, you know, what does God want? Sometimes it is uh, okay to be home. But I think the approach, the, the primary thought process or the order of criteria starts with um, what is what most honors God. Yeah, if we could just get, like if we could all embrace that, if we could help you, our audience, embrace that, uh, we obviously need to embrace it too. I think it'd be a huge shift. I have a friend who, uh, you know, I'm up here in New York and there's a lot of people who have left New York over the last um, two years. There's also a lot of people who have moved into New York, by the way. Uh, but there are a lot of people who have left. And uh, one of the things that just broke his heart was that as he was talking to people, these are people that, you know, they claim to follow Jesus, but as they talked about their decision process of leaving, um, they didn't get counsel, they didn't pray. It was just like, I can get a really great deal for my house and I'm out, you know, kind of thing. And it's, if you can get a really great deal for your house and it might really, it might be time to get out. And that's, that's true. Or move somewhere else. It's, there's nothing wrong with moving. There's nothing wrong with working from home and these kinds of things. But our our decision process is, it looks awfully secular. It's all about me and what yeah, works best for me. It just looks awfully me. secular. And it's like, where's Jesus as the leader of our lives? So that's mm. those, those, mm. that doesn't still really answer the question, right? Like work from home, go to the office, what do we do? It's just some kind of guiding guiding things um so that that pushes us into our kind of next our next segment of this conversation and we really dive into the realm of wisdom and when we say wisdom we mean practical knowledge about what to do 
It's a, it's 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 knowledge with an action action. It's knowledge with a bias towards action, um, and it's it's required in most of our most of the circumstances of our lives where there's no clear directive uh, about you know here's the guidelines here's the here's the guardrails. I mean, I can tell you you should pray about whether you should return to the office or work from home or move from this job to that job, but I can't tell you based on some biblical principle, not usually anyway, whether you should do it or not. And um, that's why we need wisdom in, in our lives. And um, so what, what are some wisdom principles that could help us, I think, um, that play into this? Meaning that these are going to be situational and you're going to have to feel out your, your specific context to figure out whether these fit or not. But this is kind of an extension of the love of your neighbor. But, you know, how, ask yourself, how can I honor my team and my teammates? You know, Ken, you mentioned that some tasks are better alone. Some tasks you need to be together. And um, every team's going to be different. Every team, some teams have, like, they're mature. They've got a lot of people that have been there for a while. Some teams have new people. Um, and, and, again, this may not translate specifically into... Um, a work from home versus remote decision. In fact, it might be that you just realize, hey, I've got some new people on our remote team and I'm going to reach out to them and have some virtual coffees with them. Um, but I'm, again, we're trying to pull you out of just think, looking in the mirror and start to look at the people around you and think about how am I impacting them. Um, you know, Roman says that we should try and be at peace with everybody. So how do you do that in a team? Um, you know, and if you know Joe is always coming into the office on Tuesday, is it possible for you to show up and so that he's not there alone? Like that's that's the kind of thinking that we think reflects God's wisdom. Uh, another piece of wisdom is how do you find favor with power? And that may sound kind of just plotting and Machiavellian and everything, uh, but it's in the Proverbs and it talks about you know a king's wrath is like the the growling of a lion, but his favor is like the dew on the grass. What, what does your boss really want? Now, I'm, again, we're not saying you should always give your boss what he or she really wants, but you should know. And whenever possible, uh, you should curry their favor because they have an outsized influence on your career and, um, and on your ability to have opportunities and to advance. And, to, and when we say advance, we mean add value. Like They, they really are the, often the regulator. So, um, you know, you may have a boss that loves remote. You may have a boss who doesn't. And how do you... And then we're OG on this. You know, we're old school. Uh, we think it's the job of the subordinate to tune into their, their, their supervisor and adapt to their style and to do any, everything they can to sync with them. And if you find that it's a grind and that it's not really a good match, well, eventually you move on. That's okay. But for the, the near term, you know, you love them, you serve them by adapting to them. So that's the second idea. Find, find favor with power, um, which may sound kind of controversial, so you guys can put that in the chat. It's fine. Um, and then the, the uh, third, th third idea is to learn as much as you can. Um, when we talk to senior business leaders, they say they are very, very concerned about people who are always looking for a job that just makes them comfortable. It doesn't matter whether it's work from home or return to the office or whether it's like it feels like a great fit or not. They, they think there's value in doing things that are difficult. And 
they probably would say the toxic card gets played too quickly. And you just don't grow endurance and you don't grow in wisdom. So learn as much as you can uh, along the way. And this is where there's an opportunity for some of us. You know, if there's only a few people going into the office and one of them is a senior leader, that's your chance to look, to just mine them uh, for information. And one of our one of our advisors, uh, Greg, you know, he talked about his his right hand person right now is a person that asked him if they could just come and shadow him for a few days and learn as much as they could. And now they've got an amazing position with him and his firm, and it's just that kind of hunger and humility combined. So that's a that's a third idea: is learn as much as you can. And, th and think about what that looks like in your work from home versus return to the office landscape. Uh, a fourth idea is to see what options you really have. Um, this is where we think some people, they get, they get ambushed because they think, oh, well, I took this job and it's remote right now and it doesn't matter that it's based in New York and I can do it from my parents' chalet in Utah and it's always gonna be that way. We got to tell you, friends, we see all the time that people assume how things are going to be. It's not written down. It's not confirmed. It's not proven. And things change. You know, what's going to change if this, the most predict, the most overpredicted recession in history actually happens? You know, is that it hasn't really happened yet, probably. But um, what's going to happen if it does? And is it, is this whole thing going to shift? And there's going to be an expectation that people have to come back. Um, what's going to happen if um, what's going to happen if you know other things ha other forces come to play that that change the dynamic or maybe technology will actually get even better you know and instead of two dimensions we'll start to be having holograms and so maybe it'll go the other way I don't know but you know there's this sense that we just we there's a lot of wishful thinking that we see in people who are navigating their careers a lot of assumptions that aren't proven and tested and nailed down and um, you know, we, we like the idea of trying lots of things or testing lots of things, exploring lots of things, and seeing what's actually real, testing it, uh, live testing it, it's called, in the finance industry. So those are, those are some just, those are some wisdom ideas that as you think about what's, what's before you, maybe in some choices you might have in this space, um, and I'll just go through them again. Honor, how can you honor your team and your teammates in a sense, how can you honor your supervisor? How do you win favor with your boss? That's the second thing. Third, how can you learn as much as you can where you are right now, um, whether it fits your remote versus in-person proclivities or not? And then the fourth is, you know, what options do you really have? Because, um, you know, some of those things may change. And some of those things, if they're not written down, um, you could really find yourself, you could find yourself surprised and out of a job. And, um, Generally, that's kind of bad. Guys, what do you think about this, this short list of things? Yes. Uh, I, have a, I have a client who, at the end of 2019, moved cross-country for a new company and a new job, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, she then moved halfway across the country um, to work during the pandemic and bought a house. And she had worked out with her um, EVP that she could report during the pandemic and not be on site because their culture was, you know, pre-pandemic, everybody was at global headquarters, um, in San Francisco. And so they had it written into her contract or to their agreement that she could work remote during, during the pandemic. And they would reevaluate how effective was that. 
Um, so, I mean, she took the step to buy a house and what they figured out was because her role had so much travel and she was able to do her travel from her, um, her new, new home in the Midwest, that they approved that when, when they went back to office, she could stay in her remote role um, as long as she showed up uh, from time to time. So I, I, I like that, that whole idea of see what options you really have and make sure they're clear and written down and everybody knows. What are we agreeing on? Yeah, I, um, I like what you said about um, knowing your team and currying favor with power. I was reflecting on, uh, I have two people that report to me, one is fully remote, one is fully in person. And what's interesting about that situation is that a fully in-person employee actually has some real advantages when it comes to what are they learning? What are they noticing? What opportunities do they have? And I think that the people in person are able to get more of the kind of work that they want because they're in a position to see it coming, uh, to, to sign up for it or to uh, notice things that they can do to, to, to make things happen. There's just way more information. And so I, I, I actually think it's an unfair competitive advantage in the workplace. <laughs> if you can be in person and you are, you're probably getting some things. Okay, maybe you have to dress up for work. Maybe you have to drive to the office, but what's it buying you? It's not only buying you better collaborative and healthy work environment potentially, but it also could be a way to move your career up faster. Um, so that's just a thought. And then I wanna to respond to what Mark said in the chat. He says, do you think introversion, extroversion influences remote versus return? Um, I think it does. I'll, I'll give you one interesting data point um, on this. We were with, with the client uh, that I was working with recently, the government agency, I put them into groups of different sizes and we had already done some introversion, extroversion work. So we discovered that the most introverted person on the team was a guy who worked with technology and he was in the group of one by himself. Other people were with groups of twos or threes or fours. And we were doing a design activity, 30 minutes, he's by himself in a room with a closed door doing design work and trying to create something. And as we were debriefing the exercise later, everyone expected him to really love the in-person, by yourself, close the door, alone kind of work. And he reported that he hated it because he didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of in a really fluid and dynamic way using the creative process. And that surprised the people that were there. Um, and I think that speaks to the fact that whether you're introverted or extroverted, that the kind of work that you're doing is a big factor in what's going to work best uh, for you. Um, and I, you know, I, I know that I have introverted writers that love being by themselves and love the flexibility and aren't that they don't see a big advantage to being a person like, hey, if you want to discuss, let's just have a call and we'll discuss it and the ideas will flow and we can get back to work. Um, but I think even that kind of worker needs the camaraderie and the, the benefits that you get from being in person. So that sounds like, Ken, you're saying, you know, it, there's a, it's no matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, there's a, there's a, at least a tilt and advantage to some, at least some in-person work. I think you need some in-person work for most people. Uh, and I think that it, depending on the kind of work you're doing, you might just need to find a way to have an in-person team. Uh, maybe you make a remote team of two or three people, you know, in the same city or something, but, um, you know, I, I think the answer is it, it depends, of course, because everyone's in a different situation, but I just see the in-person has advantages that you just can't get any other way. 
as much as well, I love I, technology. I, I do think that there's, um, you know, if you're in a work from home situation, the ways that you can build those relational connections, which we know once you build relational connections, you're building trust and building trust and increase in trust means a decrease in all kinds of uh, communication issues and, and business moves faster on trust, yes, right? Trust sure. is the fuel for businesses to be able to make decisions. Um, so I think if you're in an environment that's mostly work from home, there's a whole lot of value to organizations putting money into corporate retreats and getting people together for offsites. So I've got a corporate client. They um, have their remote employees, the, the, those who are dispersed um, and can't come into the office. They have them come in either monthly or quarterly for a couple of days, just so that they're be beginning to identify with corporate culture and they're connecting. So even in a work from home environment, there is still value in getting that face time with people on a somewhat regular regular basis. And, and if I, um, as an extrovert, am finding myself working from home all the time, which I am, then that means that I, as an extrovert, I need to find local ways to connect to people, whether it's um, developing um, deeper relationships at church or finding uh, places in my community to get involved. Because as a full human being, I need to bring my full human self into culture and into society and not simply working on um, working remote, right? Like I need, I need to be able to get off of my three screens and get into real life relationships with people. So I think of the work from home environment, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, there is a lot of value in cultivating in-person community. Yeah, I, I would say, so I'm an ambivert, meaning I'm, I always test extrovert, but I'm like kind of close to the line. And like compared to my wife, I seem like an introvert. Um, but the idea of introversion and extrovert, first of all, I'll just step, take a step back, is it's about energy, and it's about where do you get energy. And it's true, introverts get energy uh, from being able to have solitary space, solitary thoughts, and that kind of thing, ideas, being, being alone with their ideas. Uh, but it doesn't mean they don't like people or don't need people. And, um, and then extroverts get energy from interacting with people. So, you know, I find that if I have some really good um, client meetings or business development meetings or uh, partner meetings, you know, online, they're just as, they're energizing. You know, they're energizing just like any conversation. A good conversation is energizing. Um, and my wife is who is more extroverted than I am and is working in the other room. Um, she does a lot of administrative tasks all day, and I I think it's hard for her because she has nobody to talk talk to. Um, because I'm not that great to talk to. Um, <laughs> no, I'm working. Um, she, so I'm actually talking all day, and she's getting tasks done all day. But she used to get tasks done all day in an office. And so she gets more done now, but she has no interaction yeah. throughout the day. And it's depleting in, in mm -hmm. some ways. Like she work, likes working from home. She likes where we are. But, uh, you know, it's just an interesting dynamic uh, of yeah. how this really extroverts and introverts could be missing some of the in-person dynamic. Can I ask a follow-up on that, Chip? You talked yeah. about your wife and you said she's getting more done. I wonder um, if there's a toll on her productivity that she's not interacting a lot with people. I mean, she's getting more tasks done when she's energized, but her energy is being depleted by not being around people. So I'm wondering if that's in bursts or does she need to come out and extrovert to go back to work? And how is she, how is she managing that? Curious. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's the science of productivity versus reality. So the science says 
you need a break. You know, like every hour you need a 10 minute break. You need to do something different. Um, you need to take a walk. You need to get out off your out of your day. Even, you know, we talked about this early on in the pandemic. Like just to manage yourself, you need to get away from your screen and get outside. Even if it's just for 10 minutes, do that three or four times a day just to kind of clear your head and everything. And and she doesn't do that. Like she just she just cranks all day. And she is technically getting a lot more done. You know, because she has a... She supports a client load, and she's definitely covering more more work. There's no question about it. So is the person that she, the partner she works with, and so there's no question about it. Now, the, the 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 TBD part of this is is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and I think that's part of this whole piece of this. You know, um, like this is all still like this is the way it is, and then like yes, things are changing, all that kind of kind of, those those threads, but. We really don't know how long this is, you know, how sustainable all this is and um, where it's all going to go. I, I don't think, I think people that think there's going to be this mass return to, you know, five days a week in the office, I think that's a fantasy. That's just not going to happen. But um, I, I also think that, you know, the hundred, I have, I have a client, like her first criteria for her jo- new job is it's 100% remote. And I'm like, why do you feel that way? You know, is that realistic? You know, it's back, back to, why are you why are you limiting your options based on that one single criteria? So, yeah. Well, let me, I want to cycle back to Mark's question about introversion and extroversion influencing remote or return. I think it's a really interesting question. My my husband is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. It seems like we're sort of mirroring that dynamic in your marriage, Chip. Um, but uh, what we've noticed with my husband, the introvert, is if he gets too much time alone, he gets a bit weird. Um, and I, as the extrovert, if I have would, too much hold time, hold on. Would he use that word? Would he? I, th- I he would agree. We've had this conversation. <laughs> we would agree, right? right. And if I get, t- I as the extrovert, when I get too much alone, too much people time, I get weird, right? I get, I get a little wired uh, when I have way too much people time, and I, I get, I get. It's almost like uh, too much of a good thing, right? It's this, this addiction, this drug, this. It's too much, um, and so. For me as an extrovert, there is value in pulling away, but my husband, the introvert, um, he, he needs the pull to come out into some sort of community. Um, and now he doesn't, he's not in an office environment now. He's not seeing people in real life. He's not, he doesn't have his commute. We used to live in New York City and he used to walk and bump into neighbors and friends and colleagues. He doesn't get that anymore. And so we find that we have to work a little bit harder for him to get that human connection outside of his videos um and i need to work a little harder to get some human connection outside of video as well so that i have needs met um that used to get overly met that's really good because it really is about balance and and i was i was was, that's why i was trying to go with the idea about energy you know like our energy is coming and going and especially when you're in the middle and most of us technically are actually in the middle there's very few of you that are like 100 percent extroverted or 100 percent introverted um different muscles get tired at different times and you need to you need to ideally you can compensate and kind of equalize and i think at the but you know we could definitely say that how we do that or how we should be doing that has changed and so you know i just i I think that that's and sometimes it's like you don't realize that till after you realize after it's been happening for quite a while and you're like oh you know, I feel exhausted all the time. Well, you probably need to mix up the way you're working or in some way or another to compensate because your ways of getting energy and the things that are depleting your energy have probably shifted. 
Yeah, no matter what you do, if that's all you do, you're gonna overuse that muscle eventually and it's not sustainable, right? Yeah. Uh, let's go to the poll because we asked a poll question of what people wanna hear more about and there's a tie for first place. So let's go to the first one first. Um, biblical calling as embodied souls. It's kind of a combination of two ideas, but the one idea is that you have a biblical calling to work in a certain way, which is to you know glorify God and his kingdom, but we're doing it as embodied souls, which means that we need to pay attention to both the physical and the non-physical parts of that. Uh, so let's discuss that a little bit deeper. I, I, for me, that I would, my sense of that is anytime you can make it, make it 3d. And, and I don't, I don't really mean, and, and maybe I'm, I'm doing that for, I'm applying that to, to us and to what we do. So what does that mean to me? It means anytime I have a coaching client in New York city, it's actually a pain to go out and meet some, like it could take an hour to go across the city and meet somebody. But at least once or twice in the sequence of their coaching, I want to sit with them in person. And, you know, we've got some hub cities where we do a lot of work and we've, we've invested time and money to show up in those places and invite people to actually come out and meet that, that their coach and the person. So I think, I think there's a piece of this, like that anytime we can bring, um, I like to call it physicality, um, to it. And, and, you know, we've, the three of us have been part of some really powerful, off-site experiences um, where people are meeting each other for the first time and it's it's very energizing for them it's catalytic you know it's, it's not that they have to come to an office every day but they need to have some real face time with people um, so I, I think it's it's kind of figuring out how to honor that I I mean I'm I think you should, if you're gonna be on zoom you should have your camera on so I just think I think things like that can I think noticing physical things and calling them out um you know like at all all part of reinforcing this idea that we're that we're embodied I, yeah I, 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 how does that resonate with you guys well i think part of that if if you're in a fully remote environment and you're in that work from home mode i i think sometimes that means you're getting off zoom and you're getting on a call with somebody and the two of you are going for a walk um, so, right, because if you can't, if, if you're fully remote, if you're dispersed, you don't have the privilege of always getting in person. Uh, and so if you're going to be living in your body and engaging with other people to be able, for me to be able to break out of my zoom box from time to time is pretty significant, pretty important. Um, uh, so I, I have, uh, I have three girlfriends. Uh, the four of us are all in different time zones and for a season, we made it work where we worked out together um, hmm. and we got on Zoom, but we all moved our bodies together and we did the same workout um, at, you know, together at the same time, which is really hard to get four women in four time zones uh, on a Zoom to work out together. But we like, I think there are times when we need to put the extra effort in to do things in our body with people, even if we're fully distant. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And we're back to workout clothes too, by the way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think we underestimate the power of our bodies to influence the rest of us. Um, I've had situations where I was like, let's let's turn off our cameras. Let's do this on a phone call. Let's walk around. We need to ideate. We're, it's a brainstorming session. Let's just let our minds go and walk around the room or the studio or, or hey, 
you say you want to have a virtual coffee with someone, but why are you doing it in your office at your desk? Go out on the porch, go out on the, you know, rocking chair or something. You're like, mix it up and see what effect it has on your conversation, your relationship, that you're actually involving your body as an asset for the goals of the, the, the conversation or the, the thing that you're doing. So good stuff. Right. Let's let's uh, let's go to the second one, too. They're, sure. they're actually kind of related, I think. Yeah. So uh, the second one is how to maximize your influence and power in a hybrid environment. Um, this is queuing off the point you made, Chip, when you said you got to figure out what your boss really values and you should probably try to do it. Right. Because you're you're that's a way of gaining influence and powers, having a close relationship by aligning what you're doing with what the boss really wants. That may mean going into the office, it may not, but whatever it is, it's aligning with that uh, for sure. So uh, maybe we could say more about how to maximize influence and power in that environment. Well, Ken, I, we, were, we were in the process of interviewing somebody for our team, and I remember you suggested to her, because uh, she's going to be all remote, that even if, it, even if she has to do it at her own expense, it would be wise for her to come and spend some time um, with us in person. And you know, we were able to make that happen. But my point is just like, you know, if you're going to make whatever, you're going to make five or six figures in a job, then is it really, it probably is worth it to spend a couple hundred dollars to get on an airplane or drive to another city and actually sit with somebody in person for a little while. Like, it'd be great if they would pay for it. If we were coaching them, we would tell them to pay for it. But, you know, it's kind of like taking that onus on yourself, um, to at least get some FaceTime. I had a client and she was saying how and she'd been hired into this unit. The whole process was virtual. She only had three check-ins with her new boss in her new job over like six months. They were all virtual. And and she just decided like she was gonna show up at a conference that, that he was at and just really try and get some FaceTime with him. Like and I think that's right. Like you you if you're the report you shouldn't have to do that. Like, if the world worked the way we think it should, as you know, leadership coaches, but it doesn't. And you know, I think that's a, I think that's a piece of it. Um, and then the other thing I think is, well, especially early on in the pandemic, people said this is just going to go away, so they didn't, they didn't learn how to use Zoom. They didn't learn how to show up, and look good on Zoom. And we still see people that look terrible on Zoom, and it's like. You know, figure out how to show up and take take advantage. I mean, still ask. Like, ask for some quick check-ins with people and just touch base. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like if you have a Zoom call and the agenda is, hey, we're just going to check in with each other, it is a, it's a little bit more relaxing. You know, like, it's definitely better than listening to a boring meeting where there's nothing to do, right? So it's like, it's relaxing. It's a bit more energizing. It's not maybe as fun as meeting somebody for a coffee or a drink, but it's, it's, um, it's not bad. So anyway, so I'm saying kind of, I'm pushing two ideas. One is figure out some ways to show up in person, um, even if you don't have to, even if you have to bear the cost of it. And the other is leverage the technology. You know, it was another thing that Pat said to us, uh, it was that um, it's a lot easier to have a little quick check-ins with people on, cause you don't have to move physically. And so, you can do that. You can initiate that. What do you guys think? What else would you add? Well, I was thinking about how um, it's important to take advantage of the the way <laughs> the, the the meeting style 
So when you're in person, you need to do and think about how to connect with your supervisor and your team when you're in person. What does that look like for them? Does your, does your boss, the person in power, uh, want to do lunch together? Uh, do, do you bring them a coffee? Uh, do they like a high five in the hallway? Like what is, what's their style? What's their communication style? And then how do you take advantage of the distance? Is that where it's bullet pointed emails or do they like a narrative? Or do they like constant updates in Slack, DMs, IMs? Like what, what's the best way to communicate with them when you're not in person? And then what's the best way to connect with them in person? Um, so I think, you know, taking advantage of the in-person time to do only in-person things and making sure that you're not just talking business when you're in person, but you're getting some of that relational time too. Maybe it's a, a team dinner or a happy hour or, um, you know, let's go axe throwing or mini golfing, some, something to do together, <laughs> right? Let's get a little, get a little corporate aggression out. <laughs> That's fun. You know, I'm just just one little quick piece on that, and then Ken, I know you've got something to say because I could tell. I'm looking at your body language over the screen, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, some bosses are trying to get people to come back at least to like the happy hour, the company get back gathering, and people are saying, "I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I got too much." You know, basically, in their you know in their remote mode, and I think I think that's a real miss. You know, I think uh, when the boss invites you. To come to the you know to come to the headquarters city or to come to wherever and hang out, you need to show up. Uh, and and uh, even worse is when the boss says, "I'd like you to come to this corporate training leadership training thing we're doing, and I want you to be in this small cohort of leaders that we're going to invest in." And you say, "Well, I'm just there's so many things I've got to do for my job. I just don't know how I can carve out the time." Um, wow, wow, huge miss. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to turn this question on its head and think about how to how to completely fail at maximize your influence in a hybrid environment. <laughs> how do you uh, minimize your your influence? Yeah. How do you minimize your how do you influence? submerge yeah. instead of emerge? That's yeah. a post that'll that'll spread. Yeah. yeah. Well, it goes back to Apple and what you what you see there is a lot of people complaining. You know, you wanted me to go back to work. I'm not going to do it. Uh, trying to sabotage the effort of the company now. Maybe the company needs to hear some pushback. Maybe there are some positions where it really doesn't need to happen. Maybe there's some legitimate reasons. I think um, you know some people are more sensitive medically to the pandemic. Some people have you know compromised immune systems. I'm 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 aware of all that and those things. That's why it's wisdom, right, and not a simple answer. But I do think that um, you know if you're seen in the uh, in the workplace as someone who's resisting mm. the management there's going to be consequences for that. And I know that that um, when it's time to give more power and influence and responsibility, does the boss want to deal with the problematic person more or, or, or less? Um, so um, I think that's just something to keep in mind. That's really good. Well, you know, I'm going to wrap it up. We're, uh, we're in a season of flux, friends. Like we really, this is, this is in process. This story is still being written, um, and I and I think if I was just going to camp out on one idea, uh, it's that you know we should be really our first question should be, you know, how's God leading me? How's Jesus pushing me 
in this current season to, to honor him, to become more like him, and to bring him to other people and, uh, and, to, and to love my neighbor at work. And um, I'm thinking back, uh, there, were, there was a series of plagues that hit the early Roman Empire and everybody who everybody's just like, well, of course, get out of Rome, right? Like you don't want to be in the city during, during the plague. But guess who stayed? You know, the Christ followers stayed, and they just didn't automatically go along with the crowd. In fact, they stayed often at great, great risk to themselves and cared for their neighbors, uh, who were suffering from this terrible, this terrible pandemic. Sounds a little, sounds a little eerily familiar, uh, or maybe not. But anyway. That's what happened, and that's, there's just to be a different compass that we use to navigate these things. And it doesn't always mean that we're going to come to a different conclusion. It just means the reasons why we do what we do are different. And that's where we dial into our surrender to Christ who promises to take care of us and to the wisdom that he's provided through Scripture and through his community. And so we hope that this is encouraging to you. We hope that uh, you'll, you'll kind of wrestle through this in terms of what options and, and possibilities are on the table for you and that whatever you decide that you'll have this sense and this confidence because we believe everybody can have this sense and confidence that for now you're doing what God wants you to do. So this is the Resilient Faith at Work podcast. Uh, we will publish some questions you can ask yourself in the show notes uh, and to process through your return to the office work from home dilemmas. And if there's any ways that we can walk with you as coaches and advisors, we'd love to chat with you about that. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As we close this episode, I'm going to use the H word, help. First, help us help you. Do you want to grow in your effectiveness as a worker and a leader? Are you wondering if you're in the right job or career? Maybe you lead a team and wonder how to make that better. Go to vocacenter.org consult for an easy scheduling link and book your appointment with one of our great coaches today. We are ready to help you. Second, help us help others. This podcast is brought to you by generous donors who change lives by changing work through their investment in Voca. If you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, donate to Voca. Go to vocacenter.org slash give and begin your partnership today. We'll see you next time on the Voca Podcast, where we help you build resilient faith at work.